Hello, faithful listeners, and welcome to yet another episode of Soccer Not Football. We got a lot of interesting news, a lot of interesting games uh, that went on last week, and we're going to tackle them one by one. And we're going to start off with um, some with a little bit of history because uh, Lionel Messi. One of the greatest players ever to grace uh, the the game of football. He has never gotten a red card in his career, except on except a couple of days ago when um, Barca played in the um, Super. Um, they played in the the Super Copa de España, which is pretty much like the Spanish Super Cup against Athletic Club. Um, they were holding a two. He uh, hit one of the players, um, got caught in 4K, and yeah, he got sent off. Um, so that's um, so um, definitely a win that Barca could have needed to just uh, alleviate some of the issues that they've been having during the season. But now it's kind of highlighted. You know those same those same issues. You know, and that might have been like one of their best chances to win any silverware this season. So, yeah, yeah. I'm not really sure that what the purpose of these competitions are. It was kind of like a a direct to the semifinal competition um, mm-hmm. between just some of the top teams in Spain, but like it, it feels like they were kind of picked out randomly i i just don't get super cups in general they kind of feel like like fake trophies to me in a way but nonetheless if there's a trophy on the line you you play hard and you try to win it and barcelona looked like they were doing that they were controlling the game for for most of it um serginho Dest did start in this game but he came off at halftime the coach coman said that it was because of an injury a previous injury and that he was just trying to be cautious with him but if a player is kind of hurt, then why are you starting him in a, a semi-meaningless game? So that didn't really make too much sense to me. Um, but yeah, you could definitely see Messi got frustrated at the end of the game and he just, he swung an elbow into a guy. And to be honest, I, it could have been just a yellow, but just because I think it was Messi and, and he got him in a little bit more of the elbow than the forearm, they, they gave him a red and I'm sure he wasn't, too sad to be walking off that pitch i i could tell he was he was mad he was frustrated and he just wanted the the game to be over yeah definitely showed like he did not want to be there because once that um third goal was scored by um i like the club who to their credit played a great game um all the more power to them they went toe to toe with one of like the top teams in spain and they uh came off victorious and it's not easy to do especially with a team like Barca, despite their struggles. Um, but after that goal, you know, like there wasn't no answers. There wasn't no comeback. There wasn't any inspiration from, from the rest of the team. And I think that's what's like aggravating Messi the most. Like there's nothing that he, there's only so much that he can do. And at this point, it's getting to a point where even he feels like he doesn't want to be there. Yeah, I think, I think I said this before, but he should have left this past season. I think Barcelona should have cut their losses, got got some transfer money for him, maybe hundred million or so, 
and try to use that for a rebuild uh, instead of trying to hang on to him and get this this last poor season out of him. Because, I mean, I don't have any inside information. I don't have any sources, but I I can't imagine he's going to want to be back at Barcelona next year, especially if he gets offers from PSG, Man City, whose teams are in much better situations than Barcelona right now. So I think they need to pretty much not tear it all down, but they need a major rebuild um, in these next couple of years. Yeah, because without Messi, Barca will be in Detroit. They're, he's their top scorer right now. He's leading the uh, league in goals, uh, league in goals, which was uh, which is surprising considering the struggles that he was having scoring in the beginning of the season. And I wouldn't – I don't know if they would have got any money out of it, but um, a deal probably would have worked best during that, um, during that season, like before the, that season, because now he's in the final year of his contract and he can be more than willing to just run it out. It can't be like, you know, like uh, in basketball where – um, you have, or you had like Kawhi, right? He was about to reach his final end of his season, and then um, the Spurs traded him to Toronto, and he spent that season, and he could have resigned with them, or he could like, uh, so he still had to spend that final season with uh, the Raptors before joining the Clippers. So like, there's, an, I'm just saying, there's a less incentive for teams to buy um, with if he has a year left in his contract. And if he's more willing to let that run down, you know, team like Barca would be hard pressed to find any suitors who would um, try to do like a year, like try to do like a five year transfer deal or even like commit to a transfer deal because you still got to focus on like the contract as well. So like obviously for a team with a team like Man City, you know, it would be way easier for them to just wait until um, Messi's contract expires and then they can renegotiate a new monster contract with him um, instead of doing that on top of the transfer deal. From uh, one of the greatest players in the world to another one, we'll move over to Juventus beating Napoli in the Italian Supercope um, 2-0. This past week, uh, Weston McKinney got his first piece of silverware with the uh, with the Italian Giants. Um, it was it was a pretty ugly game. It was not <laughs> the uh, the most entertaining of watches, but at the end of the day, Juventus do what winning teams do, and they they trudged out a two 0 victory. Yeah, I think that game was kind of indicative of some of the. Struggles that Juventus have been having because um, they're they're down to I believe six six and and uh, Syria are um, multiple points behind the league leaders um, Milan and uh, Inter and um, it'll be it'll be a tough battle for them to get out of that hole that they're in right currently um, for the rest of the season but. Like I said, um, a trophy, like any type of trophy win, will always be a boost to a team, and this might be the boost uh, Juventus might need to get things uh, to kickstart um, 
to kickstart things off, build some momentum, get like a winning run going. And they have the championship pedigree because this is a team who has won nine, eight, nine Serie A titles in a row. So they, they're not, we can't count them as dead in the water yet. A lot of people are starting to count them out, though. This past weekend, they they lost two 0 to Inter, who's probably the one of the two top challengers uh, for the Scudetto in Serie A. And Inter really outplayed them. They absolutely dominated the game. Juventus looked like they were on the back foot the the entire game, and yeah, Inter looked uh, looked like they were the team who'd won nine titles in a row. Um, Juve did, like you said, they did win a trophy, so maybe they could turn their turn their morale around. Maybe figure out how to win those middle tier games against the uh, Serie A competition. But I don't know. I just think that they're they're a little too far behind. They're gonna have to turn around and start playing a lot better than they than they have this season because they've had they put in some good performances. They've beaten Milan. They've beaten Barcelona at Barcelona. Um, but they haven't been that consistent. They've dropped a lot of points, a lot of draws against those mid-table Serie A teams. And that that's what will come back to bite them in the end, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I will say I want to give a special credit to, again, to McKinney, who has won his first piece of uh, silverware because he definitely wasn't winning anything with uh, with Schalke. But, um, but, you know, this is the type of thing that, like, you know, that's what he came here to do and, like, to help build his profile. And with a team like Juventus, who has such a high pedigree, um, would definitely boost his profile as well as, you know, the U.S. as well. And that was part of the reason. I feel like that's part of the reason why Dest joined Barca as well. And he had the opportunity to play for a piece of silverware. Um, so the fact, so even though like these type of like competitions, they're in like the Super Cups, they might not be too important in the grand scheme of things. Um, the fact that like, oh, that we have players competing for silverware is always a positive. Um, it's always a positive, um, no matter how you draw it. So. I'll agree with that. I'll hear that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully, you know, it might turn into a gold cup win or a uh, a world cup win, but you know who's who who's uh, who's waiting on that, you know. <clears throat> but uh, so yeah, moving on, uh, moving on over to the Bundesliga. Um, last week we talked about the 19-year-old uh, from Schalke, Matthew Hope. Um, who scored a hat-trick to give uh, his team their first win in nearly a year um, and stopped them from breaking the longest losing record in the Bundesliga. Um, and after that, he has been on a tear. Um, he's been he's been scoring in, in, um, in every one of his games since then. Um, I think... Three goals, three games already, and I believe it's five. Five goals in three games. And, uh, yeah, like, and I know, Daniel, you said that um, 
Shocker didn't have anything to lose putting them in there, and they definitely been warned. They definitely been rewarded with that. Yeah, it's just it's good to see young Americans being given a chance in the Bundesliga. Um, right now, we we don't really have too many young attackers playing in top leagues, aside from Josh Sargent, who's also doing well for himself at Werder Bremen. Don't get me wrong, but he's not really putting up the the goals and assists that people are wanting to see. He's really more of a, a work rate build-up play type player. He's uh, trying to be in the right place at the right time for his team, but his team really is just bad. They're just not good at what they do, so he has to do a lot of the work for him. But in, in Hoppy's case, he's more of that uh, target man at the top who tries to get in behind, and he's the one trying to poach the goals and that's what his team's asking him to do. And that's exactly what he's done for these last three games. No, he's not scoring worldies. He's not scoring volleys or anything like that, which he's capitalizing on defensive mistakes. He's, he's able to get in behind the defenders and toe poke it past the goalie. And it's, it's a good sign to see that he's being given an opportunity and he's grabbing the bull by the horns and, and running in stride. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't wait to see how, um, he if this if he can keep this momentum going or um, it will die down. But um, definitely has made his mark. Definitely has improved his his value, his uh, stock. Uh, got a little bit of clout amongst the uh, U.S. soccer community um, at the very least. And it's interesting to say that um, so. Sergeant is going to be 21. Hoppy is going to be 20. So they're really close in age. Um, and both of them, like he said, like they have different roles in their team and like different like positions. And and that's due to like the different positions uh, their teams are in. Like Warner is a, like a mid-table team at the, at the moment. And then Shockey, they're pretty much on a bring of relegation at this point. They only got one win. So it also depends on, like, you know, um, the tactics and, like, what they expect from each other, like um, you were saying, Daniel. But, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to see, like, how those two players develop in, in the Bundesliga um, or how long, they would la- how long they would stay over there. Hoppy, you know, probably not too long, um, but um, – but, looking forward to see what we have while we do have him. So, yeah. Well, the good news for Hoppy is that he's out of contract this summer. So if Schalke get relegated, he he's free to, to sign with any other teams. And if he keeps producing and putting up the numbers that he has now, there's no doubt that another mid-table, maybe high-table t- high Bundesliga team will be in there trying to, to sign him up. So he'll definitely have options this summer. And if he does great and keeps Schalke up, then, you know, Maybe I'd like to see him move away just because Shaka's kind of been a, a firestorm these last three years. But if he does that, then props to him. Yeah. yeah perfect timing, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And then talking about from a struggle from American to a struggling team to American on a um, team on the rise, we got Tyler Adams and RP Lesbig. Um, Tar Allen starred in the one nil win um, against against um, 
It's escaping me at the moment. Oh, Union Berlin. Union Berlin. Um, and that win puts them approximately uh, four points behind Bayern. And I know we um, last week we talked about some of Bayern's struggles that they had. Um, one league loss, um, a couple of bad cup losses as well. Um, and it's still pretty close. It's still pretty close in the race so far as we reach to the halfway point between those uh, two teams. I think Bayern are doing kind of what they always do. They kind of always have a, a December, January swoon where they where they struggle a bit and everyone's like, oh, is this the year Bayern's going to lose it? But if you're going to want to have to overtake Bayern, you're going to have to beat them. So that's pretty much the game you want to mark on your calendar is, is Leipzig-Bayern. And if, if Leipzig can win that game, then then they'll have a chance. But it, if they draw, or especially if they lose, then then I don't see them making up the ground against Bayern because Leipzig aren't going to be perfect the rest of the way. Um, and neither probably are Bayern, but you got to almost be perfect, especially when you're when your points behind. You can't be be given away points like that. Yeah, yeah. And they also – and their game against Bayern isn't going to be till April, and that's depending on, like, you know, it, game, it gets postponed, it gets, like, moved. So there's plenty of football for them uh, between that period, and they also got Champions League to focus on as well. Um, so they so they have like a lot on their um, a lot on their mind, a lot to focus on at that moment. And you know, you don't want to keep you don't want to have. There's one thing about having your don't want to put your eggs in one basket, but there's also a thing of like you know being a jack of all trades but master in none you don't want to do everything and not be good at one thing or just like keep messing up in every single competition you're in you know and if uh um, wants to win some silver i think they're gonna have to make some tough uh decisions on like you know which cup to prioritize which trophy to pro- which competition to prioritize to maximize their, their chances of winning um, some silverware. They did bring in a guy from uh, Red Bull Salzburg. I can't really pronounce his name. It's Dominic Shalaba. He's he's Hungarian, kind of a difficult name to pronounce, but he's been a different swagger in the Austrian Bundesliga, and he was good in, in Champions League for them. So we'll see if he can turn the tide and, and make a difference for, him, for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And – um, moving over to France, we also have another American who's been starting for a um, title contending team, which is uh, Tim Weah on uh, Lille. And um, they're in a pretty tight race with uh, the league leaders and um, current um, title holders, PSG, as well as um, last year's Champions League semifinalist, um, Leon. Um, there's only about five points separating those three teams. Um, PSG is on top with 45. Lille is right behind them with only three. Um, and Leon has 40. Um, so, and I would say that, but I want, but, um, Lille and Leon also have a game in hand, by the way. So 
they can make this gap a, a lot tighter than it is right now. Yeah, this race is definitely closer than in years past. Um, usually PSG are running away with it at this point. Or there were a couple years where Monaco were running away with it at this point. So it's it's probably good for French soccer that they're they're having a race for their title. Um, I saw a report today that uh, a lower tier French team were trying to loan out Tim Weah, but Lyon said no, that they, they wanted to keep him and he's in their plan. So hopefully that means that he'll get some more playing time because now he's he's kind of broken into the starting lineup, but he's also still used as a substitute. It's like half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just like to see him get more playing time when he's on the field. Good things happen for them. Um, and I don't think those two things aren't related, you know, yeah. way is a good attacking player and he makes things happen. And if they, if they can somehow leapfrog PSG and way is a, a big part of it, that'll be a real slap on the face to PSG because they let him go two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it would just add to his, like, I think it would, that would be a boost to him. Um, and yeah, definitely boost to him and um, just to, as a type of vindication uh, from that last season, then he had just the struggles and um, the reasoning for leaving PSG um, and just adding to his, uh, his trophy hall because he does have a quite extensive trophy hall. Um, won a couple trophies with PSG, won a couple trophies uh, when he was on loan at Celtic. Um, so it would be so it would be a boost. So it'd be a nice boost for him to like get back into winning ways, and um, and uh, he can definitely be someone who has an, and I feel like he um, he could be one of those players on the on the national team who can bring that winning pedigree. You know, absolutely, he's definitely a winning player, and wherever he's on, wherever he's playing on the field you know that he's going to be making smart decisions and he's a, he's a positive for your team. He's not going to be a negative mm-hmm. and he's still pretty young. I think he's only 22 years old. So he's still I think he's younger than that. I think he's the same age as Sergeant Sergeant. So he's 21, 20. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I still think that his best position might be at striker. He's been mostly used on the wing and defensive wing, but he's such a good attacking player that I wouldn't mind seeing the national team play him up front. Cause you know, we're not the strongest there right now. And I think, like I was saying, he's he's a baller wherever he plays on the field. So mm-hmm. if, if they have him up top, I think only good things will happen. Yeah, we could use some depth of striker. And um, he can definitely switch into those positions. Um, but, yeah, you know, looking for some good things. Um, we'll see if PSG holds on or we might have a surprise. Um, and now – Moving to another tight race, which is tighter than the one we were talking about before. We have the Premier League, and United are still on top. Um, but it's a real tight race with uh, Man City and Leicester City as as well. And um, you know, I kind of like um, the who's it going to be like the alter the. The uh, alternating um, type of the alternating um, the revolving door of like the 
number one position because we had Chelsea, we had Tottenham, we had Leicester, we had Aston Villa. I think we had Southampton, uh, United, um, City. I think we had a lot of teams occupy that number one position. And I think that's really going to make that game, the game exciting because we didn't really have that excitement um, in the past couple of years, you know, like by Christmas, we kind of have an idea who's going to be the champion or like it's going to be separated to like one or two contenders. Like if you look Liverpool and Man City and then like last year, we already knew that Liverpool was going to run away with it. So this is a refreshing change of, of pace. Yeah, there's probably, I would venture to say, five teams who have a realistic shot at winning it. If they, if they get a good run of form, they can, can make some noise at the top. Liverpool did not do themselves any favors yesterday by losing to Burnley at home for the first time in the league in three years, four years. And against Burnley, who are 17th, you can't really be dropping points against that team. But Liverpool have struggled as of late. They've only gotten three points from their last five games, which is not good at all. That's that's almost Chelsea form right there. But don't, don't remind the, other, me. <laughs> the other teams have been going the other way. Man City's been on a, a good stretch. Man United's been on a good stretch. Leicester have won their last three. So Liverpool are trending in the wrong direction, and the other teams are trending in the right direction. Um It'll be interesting to see once uh, Champions League or Europa League comes back, who can who can maintain that league form with those extra games. And I think that's why Man United and Man City are probably more so favorites over Leicester and Spurs, just because they have more depth. They can play more players. They can deal with injuries better. Um, I still think you, you can't count Liverpool out just because they've been so good these last couple of years, but... They haven't scored a goal in, I think, five games. And they yeah. just looked absolutely lost, gassed out there. Klopp's kind of running out of ideas. The uh, the Anfield magic's wearing off, which I am not sad to see at all. It's been there's, – there's been talk about um, rebuild already. It's like, oh, yeah, just let them sit this out and let them City win or whatever. And then, like, Klopp just figure out what he's going to do next. Like the state of like Liverpool fans, like already crying out for a rebuild after one league title. Come on now, come on! You don't you don't have any faith in your team like that? I know y'all haven't scored a goal in 2020. Y'all left all y'all left all your goals in 2020, but like this, like there hasn't been any fundamental changes except for all the injuries um, with Liverpool, which is definitely has been one of the struggles that they've been having has definitely been a hindrance to them. But, like, come on. Like, but I also want to mention um, some of the, what you were saying about competitions and Champions League and Europa League. One team doesn't have to deal with that, and that's Everton. And with Ancelotti and uh, Calvert-Lewin and uh, Rodriguez, um, you can't count them out either. Yeah, Everton started off hot, so I think that's why they're they're up there in people's minds. I just think they don't have they don't have the the squad, dude. They they don't have the the one through eleven, the one through fifteen that can that can win you the Premier League. 
I think they're a good team. Maybe they could challenge for top four, but for that top spot, you gotta have you gotta have such a good team, or you gotta have at least three like top eleven players. Like if you look back at Leicester City's uh, year, they won the title. They had Vardy, Mares, and Conte, who were probably all the best players in their positions that year. And yeah, Everton have good players, but they don't have players quite of that level right now. Would they do have a couple games behind? So if they can win those, they'll be right in the thick of it. And you know, a lucky run is what some teams need to really kick start to really kick off a, a Tyler run. And speaking of a team who I thought would just have that to you know steamroll over everyone, um, and that's not been the case at all. Um, and I think you mentioned it, mentioned them before, um, Chelsea. Um, I was surprised to see how much they've been struggling because in the beginning of the season, you would, they were looking at some of the biggest like hindrances that would derail any team. You know, the loss of one of their best players in a decade in Eden Hazard, um, looking at a year-long um, transfer ban, just a reliance on you because they didn't have anyone else to go to. And the fact that um, Lampard managed a four-place finish, managed a Champions League uh, spot, um, even with all the issues that we were having, and we didn't lose that. We didn't lose Champions League since um, that, that entire season, even though there were chances where some teams could have leapfrogged us. We always found a way to get a result. And um, I felt I felt really confident about how the season was going to go because there were going to be improvements that Lampard was going to make. Um, players who seemed players who wanted to come to play for him who were buying in, and it's not happening. The losses they're bad, and every and with every loss that we have that the team has while their opponents um, actually get results, it's going to be even more and more damage. It's going to be a hole that they can't get out of. And I don't think there aren't, they're not even going to be able to at this point. It's the way that they're losing. It's like they're not even showing up to play, which, which frightens me because they just go in there and immediately goal gets scored. Goal gets scored. And they're figuring out what the what what do we're going to do for the second half? And you kind of see it in the Man City game, and you definitely saw it in the Leicester game. And, yeah, um, I feel like this season is on the brink of, of collapsing. And, I mean, this might have been over already. I'm a very pessimistic fan, so... <laughs> If y'all, if if any Chelsea fans were looking for some some optimism, you're not getting that here. Not soccer, not football. Sorry. I think part of the reason why Chelsea might have overachieved last year is because they had those young guys, and and Lampard was able to to instill in them a certain way to play and a, and a certain identity. Um, when you look at like Tamori and Abraham, and even guys like Billy Gilmore, that they were able to just kind of fill their role and and do what they were asked of. But this year, a lot of people, their expectations got raised because they, they brought in a lot of 
a lot of talented players. Werner, Havertz, Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell. Those are four guys right there that that'll start on most teams um, or at least on paper would start for most teams, but they kind of just don't fit. They kind of are just not the, the right players that, that Chelsea needed. They, they didn't really need other wingers. Um, I mean, I guess they did lose Willian, so they, they needed another winger to replace him, but Havertz really doesn't have a, a position on this team that, that fits him. Um, he looks he looks lost out there, and yes, he's still a young player uh, adapting to a new league, but he just doesn't look like he's anywhere close to where he was last year. Werner looks like a man who has no confidence at all. He, he can't hit water if he jumped out of a boat. Um, just the team, like you were saying, they just lack ideas, they lack a cohesion, and I think that that has to be mostly on the manager um, either not getting them prepared to play or even not getting the right players to, to fit a system. Um, he, he must have had a say in, in the players that he was going to bring in or the team was going to bring in. If he didn't, that's a terrible job by the ownership and, and the board. But if, if you have players that talented, you can't be, be looking like this out there. It's, it's unacceptable. And he's on the hot seat for it. And he maybe in a week or two will be, will be doing a pod where he he's no longer Chelsea manager. Yeah, um, I think you hit it. Um, I believe he had a say in like what players are coming because I know like when Havertz first joined, first of all, Havertz was just like, you know, that thing where like, oh, where you eat and like you eat like all like what's good for you, the like the fruits, like the basic stuff, the foundational stuff. Habert's was like, you know, ice cream. You know, it was like a cherry on top. Like we didn't necessarily need him, but the fact that like, oh, he's such a great attacking player, no one was really going after him, you know, he was ours for the taking, that the potential, you know, like just definitely made it seem like oh without with him we'd be unstoppable we're already unstoppable we'd be like you know world beaters at this point and because you're right he doesn't have like a set um set position and i think you know that's the consequence of you know buying talent just by talent um and I know a lot of people uh, who are turning on Lampard, a lot of people who say trust the process, but how much more can you trust if you're going to get the same bad results over and over again with a team who doesn't seem to have the right mentality to get out of this funk? Because the honeymoon point is over. They're, as soon as they reached the top of the league, it just felt like they, like, a, not only has the gear just, like, switched off, it's just been completely, like, ripped off. Just, like, ripped off, thrown away in the ocean, um, and then the ocean collapsed in on itself. And it's been a bad run of form for, for quite a while. And 
that and you get to a certain point where ownership looks at that and thinks, is this the man? Will he be able to get us out of this funk? Because if they wait until it's too late to do anything about it, then your season's already over. Your season's already over. And sometimes you're going to have to decide, like, where to take that risk, staying with him or fire or sacking him. Because there's still a lot of play left for the season. They still got the Champions League. They still got the, the FA Cup. And I know right now the team, the club doesn't have a plan to replace him. Um, they have can I mean, there's going to be quality candidates who might unlock um, what's missing from this team. But who knows if um, if we'll be able to get them in time or do to replace them, or we'll get an interim manager. So there's a lot of unknowns that. It's giving Lampard a little leeway, and this what's also giving Lampard a little leeway is that he's just he's a club legend, and so many fans are, you know, are sold into the dream of the club legend leading us to the promised land. But what we're seeing right now is not happening, and I think some of these some of these teams, some of these fans need to realize reality, and like we are not a good team right now. And maybe a change is needed. And that's the struggle for every manager because it's always a race against time. It's always a race against time. Every bad result, it just puts more pressure on you. And you're just waiting to see whether this will be the one or this will be the one. And we kind of saw that with uh, Pochettino with Tottenham last year. Um, Bad start. Um... And he just seemed really resigned to his fate um, before Marino came in. We kind of saw with Arteta um, earlier in the season where also just had that bad run of form. And they seemed to rebound it from that. But it looked like, oh, Arteta wasn't going to survive, um, survive the season. And he won the FA Cup and the Community Shield. And it's just like, the world of soccer, the world of football is just a win now type of setting. You know, it's like really like, what have you done for me lately? Not like lately, what have you done for me like yesterday or today? Forget what you did yesterday. What are you doing today? And it really puts a lot of pressure on managers and really causes like a lot of turnover in that position. Absolutely. Um, mostly do the financial side. If you're uh, if you're a big team and you're fighting for for top four and you finish outside Champions League spot, that's that's a big hit to your revenue, especially now in COVID times where you're not getting the fans into the game and you're you're relying a lot of on the on the TV deals and stuff. Uh, if you don't get those Champions League games, you're you're losing quite a bit of money, and owners aren't going to settle for that. They're gonna they're gonna give you the boot, especially Chelsea's owner. He fired a coach who who won them Champions League final. He he fired Roberto De Matteo, and he he was the one who who brought them the Champions League final home. So even if you if you do win the the big one, sometimes the the owner just will can you. 
and there's nothing really you can do about it. Um, yeah. Antonio Conte, he won the Premier League, and then the season after he won the FA Cup, but because he wasn't able to get them a Champions League spot, he got sacked. And not only did um, Di Matteo win the Champions League, he also won the FA Cup as well. And still, one bad form of run was enough to just get him fired. And I feel like Abraham has been really lenient with Lampard so far. I don't think he'll be lenient if the season ends badly. I mean, they still have a ways to go. They're still only halfway through. So there's still 19 games for them to to get points and and semi-turn their season around. But if it doesn't start happening quickly, then more fans are going to start asking questions and they're going to start pressuring the the board and owner to do something. And I think they might have to force his hand at some point because eighth place for a team like Chelsea, just that's just not good enough. You can't be finishing in eighth. Um, and even though he is a club legend, sometimes you gotta, you gotta get rid of him to, to move forward. Yeah. So personally, um, I never had the experience of having a coach um, or playing for a coach who I felt like, oh, I need to play for him. I need to get him a win or else he's going to get sacked or he's going to get fired. Um, I definitely seen those experiences because, you know, I am a Chelsea fan. But, you know, I feel like that's a totally different feeling to have. Like, knowing you're a player and in any moment that, you know, if you don't produce, then your coach is going to get fired for it. Yeah, it's definitely something that would make practice and, and games kind of awkward or at least something that you would have to either block out or find a way to, to get over. Because mm-hmm. the, the manager is going to undoubtedly feel that and he's going to either be more aggressive or be more – he might go the other way and be more lenient. Um, probably not, but – you're you're just gonna have to find a way to to start being better, or you might see your your head guy be replaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot to a lot to um, check on as the season progresses, and soccer, not football, will be there every step of the way. So check in with us next week. Uh, until then, this is Della signing off. I'm Daniel. I'll catch you guys later. All right.